the naturally occurring psychoactive compound psilocybin is found in over 200 species of mushrooms. Despite their millennia of use by humans for mental and spiritual well-being, they have been classified falsely among the most dangerous and illegal of substances, locked away from those who need them most. The Psilocybin Chronicles documents the individuals who courageously consume, collect, or cultivate these mushrooms to improve the quality of their lives. Won't you join us as we welcome the return of psilocybin. Welcome to the Psilocybin Chronicles. I am your host, Eric Osborne. This podcast is intended for educational and harm reduction purposes only. Psilocybin Chronicles nor Michael Meditations condones any illegal activity. Psychedelic substance consumption is serious business. Many people consume psychedelics at festivals, raves, and such, which I wouldn't say I'm necessarily opposed to, but if you only have a handful of opportunities to engage with these medicines, unpredictable public gatherings with mixed drugs and mixed personalities perhaps won't provide the best setting for deep personal healing. Listeners, I do take drugs. Seriously. My work with psilocybin mushrooms, my work as a grower and a facilitator is work that I take extremely seriously. But I'm also not afraid to have fun with it. Individuals often tell me that their trip was made better by my laugh or the laughter of others. The number of times I have heard people say after a trip that someone else's laughter helped them claw out of the depths of hell is well more than the number of folks who have been annoyed by a fellow tripper's uncontrollable laughter. Safety and seriousness in psychedelic work is actually a big topic right now, and for good reason with the increased information available to the public affirming the overall physical safety in consuming psilocybin and other classic psychedelics, their use is once again on the rise. My guest in this episode takes psychedelics as a comedian seriously as well, but thankfully he is not afraid to be the butt of any cosmic or colloquial joke either. The important work he does as a comedian provides temporary relief from suffering and makes tough or even dark subjects such as suicide, addiction, or insanity approachable, providing progressive long-term relief. In my opinion, we spend far too much time and energy avoiding painful or scary topics. When we finally do muster up the courage to confront our demons, we often find that they are puppy dogs that just need love and maybe a bath. <laughs> A good comedian like Shane Moss helps us let our guard down so that we can laugh at our foolish behavior and thinking. It's actually quite similar to what the mushrooms do. A fellow tripper once remarked to me that mushrooms were like her crazy uncles poking friendly fun at her silly life choices. Aside from his ongoing podcast, Here We Are, which comically explores a variety of science topics, his most recent accomplishments are the completion of a 111-city tour titled A Good Trip, which entertained and educated the public on the important topic of psychedelic sciences. While running this show, Shane simultaneously filmed and completed the documentary Psychonautics, a comedian's exploration of psychedelics. The combination of these projects and the consumption of an exorbitant amount of psychedelics sent Shane a bit too far out there, eventually landing him in a psych ward. Ironically, proving the safety and risk inherent to psychedelic consumption. This film will be released on Amazon in March. You can go to ShaneMoss.com to find some deals uh, regarding early purchasing. 
I actually have the pleasure of this film being my cinema debut. <laughs> In reality, I'm pretty nervous about how it might be received. I've already been criticized as not being serious enough, which the irony of having always been considered the serious one in every other profession or relationship I have been a part of does not escape me. Here I am, some self-taught psilocybin expert from the hills of Kentucky, sandwiched between Rick Doblin and Dennis McKenna. In the film, Shane and I picked wild psilocybin mushrooms and ate them on camera. The mushrooms just so happened to be up when Shane was in town with the camera crew. We weren't even going to talk psilocybin, just Amanita muscaria for the documentary. But with so much psilocybin available, we decided to do what we did in our carefree days with psilocybin mushrooms, and we ate them in the park, recreationally. Only these we ate fresh. Which is not how I generally eat mushrooms. I mean, sometimes, of course, but not typically. Fresh, by all means, is best. But that's not what I'm referring to. Overall, I feel that mushrooms are best utilized in a low-sensory input environment. Basically, secluded in nature at night is my personal preferred method and how I believe we get the most out of the experience. But that's one of the things, if not ultimately the thing, that I love most about psilocybin. It's safety and versatility. You can eat a couple of grams of mushrooms and have a beautiful day in the park or the beach or the forest. Or you can eat a fistful of mushrooms in the darkness and travel to dimensions outside of this galaxy by going within your own body. Just carefully plan the where, when, and with whom of your mushrooms before eating them. They are safe, exceedingly safe from a toxicology standpoint. But psilocybin is no joke. And if you are a caretaker of someone on mushrooms, you must know that at any moment, a trip can do a complete 180. Mushrooms, especially in the hands of the inexperienced, can in the matter of minutes go off the rails. Shane and I are, well, slightly more experienced than the average citizen. We've been eating high doses of mushrooms solo and in groups for the past 20 years. Anyway, I've got critics, some of them who now lead mushroom circles with disturbingly little actual psilocybin experience. Some of them insinuate or directly state that I do not take the work seriously enough or criticize that I am not a certified therapist, or an indigenously trained shaman, or a blah 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 blah. My friends, these borrowed labels only scratch at the door of the psychedelic profession. We need new words to describe the individuals who work and the tasks they perform as facilitators of the psychedelic experience. It is an ecstatic dance of mind, matter, and emotion. More often than not, in this invisible workspace, Our most valiant efforts, our most heroic accomplishments go completely unnoticed. And for this, I am grateful. What better way to stay humble than having few or no witnesses to the moving of mountains? And after these mountains are moved, only an evaporating, translucent trail leaves a trace that these events even occurred. The transformations that I have experienced and been a part of can, in truth, be called miraculous. We are truly blessed to have a medicine like psilocybin that grows naturally around us. And I am truly blessed to play whatever small role is given to me in this divine comedic drama. Though let me also warn you that you better bless yourself with the counsel of an expert and a strong sense of self-preservation if you are going to go hunting wild psilocybin like Shane and I do in his documentary. There are little brown mushrooms out there that can kill you. (laughs) 
with great misery, and no amount of thoughts and prayers can perform the miracles of positive species identification. Apart from his previously mentioned accomplishments, Shane has just started a new U.S. tour called Stand Up Science, which, as you have probably already imagined, combines science and humor by bringing scientists and comedians on stage together. You can see his upcoming dates and locations again at ShaneMoss.com. Won't you join me in welcoming Shane Moss to the Psilocybin Chronicles? All right, Shane, welcome to the Psilocybin Chronicles. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. Let's, let's try to keep this serious, can we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> as serious as can be. For the like fifth podcast that we've recorded. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope I remember what I said last time so that I can just repeat Say the, the same exact thing. Well, same. Because I'm sure it was nothing but gems. And all that's, I think all, all that is pretty much gone. Um, it's like on the Patreon, I took down all the old Michael Meditations podcasts. Uh-huh. So this is brand new, Psilocybin Chronicles, completely different uh, than what we did before. So it'll all be, well, no, maybe not all, but a lot of fresh stuff here. So tell us, Shane, this is a question I've been interested to hear your response as many times and as many people as you've done psychedelics with. Yeah. If you could consume psilocybin mushrooms with anybody through time or history, who would that be and why? Well, I don't, I mean, there's a temptation to like give them to evil people <laughs> or something to, yeah. to see if they'd be like, they'd change their ways or something, but mm-hmm. maybe they would just be mo- better at uh, what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, evil's a silly word anyway, but, um, I think that I, uh, I'm in the present and I, I think I'd be most interested in my favorite scientist. I was just talking about him, Robert Sapolsky. I think he's the coolest guy ever. I took, uh, I took uh, or I, I'm online, there's one of his Stanford classes on human behavioral biology. Uh, I, I watched that whole class, thought he was the best lecturer I'd ever seen. He's just really funny, really cool, super wise, and his work is so important to our day-to-day lives. And and uh, just a deep understand. His newest book, Behave, is like if I had one book on a desert island. It's it's like if I were to start a new civilization, and I had one book to pick as like the Bible of our foundation, that would be it. Um, and it's all about how it, it's much of his stuff is about how uh, some of the hopelessness and of the human condition. And he doesn't offer tons of solutions, but he does. He he's very matter of fact about about things, and it uh, really exam an examination of free will and that sort of. Thing. So he like talks about free will without ever saying free will a lot. And I would love to do some mushrooms and have a conversation about free will and how to make the world a better place because I can't think of anyone better. So the Bible for the new humanity. The Bible for the New Humanity would be the book called Behave by Robert Sapolsky. So you really are trying to start a religion, cult, something. Um, I mean, I would like followers. <laughs> um, certainly, I would love more followers. I I think uh, I think that what I like about my podcast here we are five star rating on iTunes. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't have it? But uh, I I think that. Um, what I like about my podcast is that uh, it's pretty clear to the audience that 
a lot of times I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. It is and um, and I I'm not the most confident guy in the world in every situation, and I am constantly being humbled by finding seeking out people who are not only just generally smarter than me, but experts in their particular niche, and um, and I I think that that would make for a nice guiding principle of any religion. Um, find people more knowledgeable than yourself and humbly go to uh, listen to what they have to say. Unfortunately, most of it drops right out of my brain as soon as I'm done with the podcast. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that I think that I set a nice example being someone who has no college education has made so many incredibly stupid mistakes in my life uh, and is not even the most motivated person in the world. And I still pull off the podcast that I pull off shows that really anyone could self-educate themselves. If I can do it, anyone can. Well, yeah, you're, you are certainly a good example um, in that regard. And uh, I think you've also been a... Uh, I hesitate to say a good example in psychedelic um, exploration. You have been an adventurous example in psychedelic exploration. Yeah. You, you have tested the bounds of safety, um, which I, is important. We need people to do that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I like to do that with everything. I'm like, I've noticed, yeah. I'm like gravity. <laughs> is it really that big of a deal? And it is. Gravity is. is sure shit. And so one oh. of the things that you uh, have illustrated or uh, uh, have explored is the safety yeah. of psychedelics. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think you are an expert in this. Uh, how safe is psilocybin? I think psilocybin's really safe. I think that if you're bipolar like myself, or at least as they tell me, um, I think that you you run the risk of, of um, and rather than destroying your ego um developing a bit of a messiah complex and uh and i know um what that feels like um and so being able to measure uh your your own grandiose ideas against reality it's so i've been thinking so much about this lately Mm -hmm. because I think that we have to be able to build these mental models of the future that are better than what we have currently and show like a clear path forward to improving our lives and the lives of others around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but a lot of the mental models out there are like, well, when I win the lottery, and that's a delusional mental model mm-hmm. because you're not going to win the lottery. But people are like, well, when I buy a lottery ticket, at least I get to think about what it's like to do that. And I think, but can't you just think about what it's like to be a millionaire without buying the lottery Mm -hmm. ticket? Mm -hmm. And if someone's like, no, they can't, then buying a lottery ticket does something to a part of your brain that makes you actually believe on some level of your perception, on some level of your uh, conscious or unconscious awareness that buying lottery tickets is a valid path toward a better future. Mm-hmm. And if you believe that, you're delusional. 
And I think that mushrooms can uh, do the same thing. I think masturbation can do the same thing. Hmm. Um, I, I think building these these mental models of like, I'm going to have five women and blah, blah, blah. I think it can make you undervalue what you already have. Mm-hmm. And it can just fuck with your head and create that separation between where you are and where you want to be. And I've had grandiose ideas on mushrooms. Now, at the same time, I live a pretty fantastic, fantastical life outside of if you take my economic situation out of out of the <laughs> uh, out of the evaluation of my life. My life is really quite incredible, and so so it is easy for me to be like, is this is mushrooms real? Am I like, am I really that important of a figure or a communicator? Is that, and so I really I really have to check that. So. I think uh, I think a lot of people, um, you know, like I like to joke about the people, the people that talk about um, ego deaths mm-hmm. uh, tend to have a big ego about bragging <laughs> about their ego deaths, <laughs> right. and and so you know I think I think that's that's where integration is exceptionally important mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. So, but what mushrooms are absolutely good for is just the opposite, too. Because I think that where mushrooms show the most home, uh, hope and the most promise is people form these mental models of learned helplessness. Mm. That they have, like there is no clear way forward. There is no point in moving forward. There is no hope for a better future or bettering themselves. I think a lot of that's because we're measuring ourselves against people's people's uh social media and uh, and like them putting their best foot forward and 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 how glamour or whatever is portrayed and i mean the i i think i think uh i think trump is kind of like the breaking point of of the archetype of like uh, of uh, i think he's like the mtv cribs of of uh of presidents and i think we're showing this trajectory where we we had mtv cribs and then that kind of fell out of favor Mm -hmm. and now we're seeing like what what like a king would look like in our modern right. age and then and then i think that's uh, that's um falling out of uh favor as well and i think that as that happens we're becoming more in line with reality and people are like you just got to get a little better each day be a little bit better version of yourself and that's the lesson that you need to learn mm-hmm. and i think that's what mushrooms can do mm-hmm. to break through i think that's what that reset is about mm. like you were worthless yesterday because you had it in your head that you were worthless but now you have this fresh start right and and you can move forward in a positive direction because unfortunately that's that's all you can do in life is just try to make some element of your life a little better each day. Mm-hmm. And that is a troubling fucking undertaking <laughs> and an impossible pace to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Without some support. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you have so much insight into how to manage uh, experiences, integrate experiences, but I, I don't want to stray too far uh, immediately from the format here. So why don't you uh, tell us about your pre-mushroom experience or perception of psilocybin before you ever consumed psilocybin had you heard of magic mushrooms and and what did you thought well by the age of 15 i think is when i i think no i must have been 16 when i first smoked marijuana i must have just turned 16 um 
the first, I, I think I first smoked it when I was 15, first got high when I was 16. And at that age, I was just like in this, trapped in this prison of like, I hated authority, I hated school, I hated my parents, I hated any adult trying to tell me how to live my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was looking to, you know, it never, fortunately it never occurred to me that I should look into like crack or heroin or anything like that to, <laughs> to escape. It never, <laughs> like, maybe I'll try this out. Um, but, uh, so I think I was just so open to, if pe- people were like, and you have this different experience. I was like, oh, you mean anything that isn't this fucking existence that I'm trapped in? I think that, uh, it, it appealed to me. And so I'd say that was my misunderstanding is that mushrooms were this escape mm-hmm. possibly okay, right. or this way to like forget about things for a little while and instead they are this exam it's almost an amplification <laughs> of of your uh condition but re- uh, a way of reevaluating things and seeing things differently so mm-hmm. there wasn't anything in terms of stigma that that shattered my i mean you know when i first did much uh, um like marijuana i was like this is what people are like worried about or thinking is but i already had a a feeling that like the dare program and all that was full of shit Mm -hmm. i was just i would have i would have done mushrooms and marijuana at an earlier age had i been popular enough in school Uh, to to have it offered to me sooner (laughs) um but uh i was a couple years behind the cool kids so um so yeah, I mean, I I think in in ways it was right in line with uh, with what I realized. Like, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit that authority figures try to say that this is bad for you. Mm-hmm. And in other ways, thinking thinking about it as an escape or just a way of like partying or having fun or whatever, mm-hmm. it was a wake up call in mm-hmm. terms of that. So your early experiences were not just a good time. You actually had some... They were positive. Right. But did you have some deep introspection and you knew there was more to this than just a party drug? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also had a lot of laughs along the way right, too, but right. um, I mean, through you know, the insights. I, I felt like for me early on, the insights were kind of indescribable. It was like I always felt like I was learning something, but I never really knew what, but I did just had a great mm-hmm. fucking time you know uh so when i don't know i guess there, if i feel like i know the answer to this question I, go ahead well i was gonna say i think it i think it made me break free of trying to fit in and made me more be my authentic self mm-hmm. that took mm-hmm. a very long time okay uh, and and that's i would say that's not too much of a work in progress at this point i mm-hmm. feel like uh i am a uh, hyper genuine um, person, almost mm-hmm. to a fault. Sometimes I I find myself having to bite my tongue once in a while because I'll make shit real. <laughs> I'll get I'll get real with people. But um, I can think of people in my life that I was at the time like maybe trying to emulate or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and whew, I'm forever grateful for mushrooms for making me break free of that yeah yeah that's a lot of what's been talked about this week too here with these um these guests chains with us on a uh michael meditations retreat this is the third one that you've done with us so far is that right fourth now oh oh yeah fourth because there's two in a row here 
So yeah, what's the, what is that? Can you talk a little bit about trip sitting um, here in these groups and what that's been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I go back and forth. I'm like trying to figure out how much I enjoy doing this mm-hmm. and how much it makes sense for me to continue doing this. And, um, you know, I, I worry about things. I worry about liability involved. Of mm-hmm. uh, I can, I can um, uh, empathize a little bit with your predicament where, like when I first came here and I was tripping, I was like the amount of control you had over the situation was seemed a little suffocating to me Mm. because I was well experienced with mushrooms myself. I didn't really need the guidance as much as other people. And Mm. to me, I remember thinking mushrooms fucking hate rules. Don't try to put rules into this. And, um, and now having, seen you know having taken more of a facilitator i I understand the responsibility involved and Mm. i would worry about someone like i i don't i just don't think that it would happen but man that's the worst fear is like someone just happening happening to like decide to run into the ocean yeah or like all that stupid shit that yeah. like it's basically it's not going to happen but right. fuck if it did, if it did right. god damn yeah it's much um, more likely that on an off day someone would trip on a fucking rock or get a yeah a thorn hit by a fucking foot. coconut yeah yeah i i i trust that mushrooms are really safe but at the same time shit i mean i got a lot of other things going on with me in life i don't need the stigma of like some person having like some horrific insight that they weren't ready for and like taking it out on me and like Shane Moss said that mushrooms were a good idea and I did (laughs) mushrooms and I now I'll never be able to uh, like I uh, reality will forever be this slippery sort of thing and I find my life to be unmanageable um well but again though like even what you're talking about there how many times have you seen people not come back from mushroom trips or a mushroom trip have this incredibly negative impact on someone's life i know no i mean that's just the thing it's not it's not like a it's not a legitimate concern Mm -hmm. it's it's like you know the the negativity bias version of winning the lottery like it's it's not going to happen but it happens sometimes right right um and I, I think that um, I, I feel like I add a lot of value in the group sessions. Um, and sometimes with me not tapping into these experiences, because I don't feel comfortable um, at this point in my life, mostly, most of that is just uh, um, part, part of it is like my, because of the episodes that I went through, I feel like my family and and uh girlfriend have been through i i just don't need them worrying about right. me and creating stress in their lives is the main reason why i don't do mushrooms mm-hmm. here but i i feel a disconnect when i hear people's stories it's a little more like hearing a uh you know someone's retelling of a dream where mm-hmm. it's just like cool story bro like i you know i it, whereas like if i was eating mushrooms i'd be like yes i know exactly what that the wheel of spinning clowns meant to you like <laughs> and i could hear them laughing in my head <laughs> yeah yeah and whereas i feel disconnected from that mm-hmm. um 
I I like when I get to feel useful, but you know, this isn't at the same time this isn't about my ego. I go back and forth. I mean, I think that my value, my contribution to humanity is is that I am really good at talking in front of groups and um, good at things like this, putting out information um, publicly to a large number of people. I don't feel terribly well suited to a one-on-one basis mm-hmm. of, uh, of interacting with someone. So part of me thinks like, although I think I'm contributing here, I think that I contribute more at a larger scale. Uh, maybe that's my own ego. Um, and so that's what I've been going back and forth with this entire time in these retreats. But part of me is like, now that I get these individual insights, that's valuable information because I don't do this very often. Most of my life is sitting by myself and writing and preparing what I'm going to say in front of a large group of people. I almost, when I do interact with people on a one-on-one basis, it's usually kind of awkward for me because I don't have tons of experience with it or, and people are awkward approaching me after shows. Mm-hmm don't know exactly what to say to me or they want to tell me their trip stories or or they want to tell me it's this overwhelming like everyone has a book suggestion for me i'm like oh god i can't i can't hear it i can't take another book suggestion right now i have (laughs) i have ten thousand of them already like i know there's a bunch of fucking shit to learn i get it um and and so so yeah so this is nice that i get to connect with people on an individual level Going forward, where am I going to create the most positive impact? I think it's at a larger level. Mm-hmm. Um, but now having been here, I can speak to the fact that I think that what you know, you're doing here is a, is a good positive thing. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to have a one-size-fits-all because uh, s- some people are into like a... a have have these dramatically visual representations of trips and our visual thinkers and are getting mm-hmm. visuals mm-hmm. and are creating these visual metaphors for what they're experiencing and other people are listening to this and this is like a bunch of woohoo nonsense to them and so how do you reach each person on an individual level and and um and come to them at at their level in a group session, there's always going to be some people that are like, uh, my my take is going to be too scientific or exactly what some people need to hear. Right. Um, other people, they need a more woo-hoo-y thing than what I'm going to give. And same with you. You, you I mean, I can like when you get a little more toward the woohoo side of, of things relating to one, uh, you know, a, a specific person or groups of people in the group. Mm-hmm. I can see like a couple other people that are like more skeptic um, mm-hmm. or, or haven't had the full experiences yet being like, ah, I just don't relate to this, right. you know? And it's, it's, uh, it's very, it's interesting. This is what I do for a living is try to put these one size fits all um, ideas together to speak in front of crowds, but to see it in, on a small level and see the real separation of just how different all of these individuals are mm-hmm. and, uh, and figuring out how to connect with them on more individual levels. It's interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I don't think I'm going to be, I, I don't think that I'm going to be doing much facilitating here. Mm-hmm. I would love to maybe do it once a year as a working vacation or something 
like that. Mm -hmm. I love being here. It's paradise here. I believe in what you're doing. But uh, I think that my value is more of a, at a global level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we totally weren't expecting you to be like coming on as a right 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 i know that but i was kind of like i was kind of like maybe i like doing this enough to Mm -hmm. where it's good for me enough uh to like i would maybe be doing this um every three months who knows yeah and um and I don't think that's going to be the case, yeah. which which will make it that much more special when I do Absolutely. if I do come right. down once a year or something yeah. like yeah. that. Well, and you know what you're saying is entirely true. And I, I even this morning I woke up to an email someone that's wanting to come because of your podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, so you are a great advocate uh, for psychedelics overall. Um, I'm interested in if you could kind of talk about how you're transitioning from psychedelic media, you did this big 111 city tour, uh, all on psychedelics. You've got this documentary coming out. Um, psychonautics. Yep. Yeah. A uh, comics exploration of psychedelics that I, be I, for pre-sale in, in January. Um, good, at yeah, the time yeah. you're listening to this, I imagine if you go to shanemoss.com, um, you can find information and probably get a, buy it um pre-order it on amazon which would uh really help me out because the more pre-orders the more it will be bumped like when it's actually released then it'll be bumped up into like the most viewed oh so that's Uh, march right so there'll be plenty of time yeah so it actually comes out early march yeah yeah. but it's available for pre-sale early january so depending on when you're listening to this there's a much chubbier version of myself in that documentary as well Um, really have you lost some weight i haven't noticed probably like 10 15 pounds being in jamaica more help see it's this is like you you can understand why um uh you know part of a i think I, part of the reason why I had my episode was because I was shooting a documentary. Mm. You see how much you evaluate yourself when you see yourself on a screen <laughs> and how a bunch of people are going to be seeing this. And, and uh, that was, that was, I think, a big part of my episode yeah. is like, is, is documenting these experiences and then being like, how is this going to edit together? Am oh, I going to wow. look like so a I fucking never thought about idiot? that, but were you, I'm assuming that you were watching the segments. Of course you were watching Not the segments. Not really, because I couldn't, because I can't really watch myself, but I was watching little okay. bits here okay. and there. And we hadn't really started much of the editing process at the time. And I just, there was too much of like, psychedelics are telling me that I'm going to be this communicator. Is that just my mind or is Mm. this psychedelics actually, and like, is this thing going to blow up? Like what's happening? Why are all of these big things happening? I had at the time, I had this really massive deal from, if I said the name of the company, everyone would know it, a Mm. huge production company. It doesn't get much bigger um, to do like this psychedelic later, you know, that's a whole long story about Mm. what, the stigma that still exists and what it came up against. Um, but at the time it just seemed like, Oh my God, this this is like, like I'm really going to be this like big psychedelic communicator. Do I even want that? And how am I going to look? Because it also showed me that I was going to go crazy. When I had ayahuasca, Mm -hmm. it said, you're going to go crazy. You're going to look like a lunatic to everybody. And you're going to, and it's going to get a lot of attention and then you'll be able to calmly be able to explain to people what actually is happening and looking looking crazy is part of what will give you the voice because then people will see that you're not actually crazy have you ever said this publicly 
Uh, no. Uh, but uh, that's that's part of that's part of what happened, uh-huh. and then and then that just ha- it's like what happened. It's how the documentary starts. Yeah. It's how it's, and then it like proceeded to drive me insane, and I like I could not stop my mind from uh, I could not stop my manic thoughts. I it it made me go through it it so, forced me into a psych ward and it was all like a fucking truman show the whole time it was like it was this staged fucking thing mm. but it needed to make me crazy so for the- i have not mentioned this to you or anywhere else yet um and i don't and I, i'm saying this um you know hoping that you won't feel i, I didn't want to say this to you because i didn't want you to feel any type of like guilt or worry or whatever you know you yeah. express you know your uh compassion or empathy or whatever for some of the stuff that we've been going through uh but i have recently i started to think that some of my critics are going to use you as a way to attack me saying that i'm having shane moss down here who's not safe with psychedelics he lost his mind on psychedelics etc 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 and therefore i'm i i I think they're going to do this um but what i have thought and felt all along is that what you have ultimately done. And even before you had your break, I was thinking this, how you as a diagnosed bipolar, uh, you have shown that psychedelics, you know, I'm a little hesitant can be effectively used by people in those conditions. Yeah. Bipolarism Absolutely. is one of the everybody's. You can't, don't feed psilocybin to pe- bipolar people, oh, right? Are you kidding me? I wouldn't be alive today. I wouldn't be an alive bipolar person yeah. if it weren't for psilocybin. Yeah. Yes, I would be a fucking dead bipolar person right. because I would have shot myself in the head a long time ago. Believe me, right. that's been many, many plans, a long time in the works, and psilocybin has gotten me through. All of those times. And now, um, because of psychedelics, for the first time in my life, I have to take a pill every night so that I don't become too happy. That's, that's like the position that I'm now, mm-hmm. rather than chronic depression all of the time mm-hmm. and cro- constantly suicidal, now I have to go... Am I too happy right now? Uh oh, I might be too happy, and I might. And it's you know, careful what you wish for, right? Um, and, <laughs> but I would much rather be in this position um, than than uh, what I was since the age of nine, ten years old, mm-hmm. uh, which I, you know, that's only a few years before I did psychedelics. But it's an eternity when all you can think about is killing yourself every day. Right. Um, and, I mean, I don't think those people are going to come at me. That would be uh, foolish, I think. <laughs> well, I, I think that, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah. uh, I have this sense, um, <clears throat> some of the, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, so, anyway, where that leads us to quite effectively uh, is what you envision for psychedelic uh, therapy, uh, specifically psilocybin in the future. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I I think that in the future there will be like right now we got to be like we're we're treating PTSD and blah 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 and this clinical thing and I think that will be a great like 
training ground into this, but as as this becomes a my dream for psychedelics is as this becomes a regular treatment, it will then integrate into just this is a regular part of lives, and then it will be a, a regular part of a formative uh, uh like a coming of age experience mm-hmm. that people have mm-hmm. and there will be guidance it was uh, like you said um uh you know we want testimonials from people so they know that what we're doing here is serious and this isn't some like hippie party and when you said that i was just like oh a hippie party that's what you need to have. <laughs> like you need, uh, there will eventually be uh, this. Uh, you know, I, I hope that you have a center here that is like, hey, here's a here's a, P- a PTSD retreat. Here is a hippie party retreat. Here <laughs> is a fucking anxiety or depression retreat or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And it could be that specialized. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine that if you had, if you, if, if there was enough demand where you're like, this one's just about depression. Right. This one's just about, and, and having, um, cause, cause you'll, you'll have special, then at that point, then there's going to be, you can get specialized experts in that. You can get, uh, and I mean, fuck. I, I I think that I think having um, a fun, good time where people aren't getting shushed for <laughs> for having a little bit of a giggle, which I don't know why you're allowed to laugh, but other hey, people aren't allowed people to. <laughs> I don't shush people for laughing. I'm kidding. I just I'm kidding. Put them I'm in fun kidding. prison is I'm what kidding. I do. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm giving you a hard time. Yeah. I just, uh, you can delete that if you want to. Oh, no. Um, but I, I, do, I do envision this as like, I think that absolutely, you know, when I go home with my when my with my family over the holidays, mm-hmm. and I sit and I play board games with them, and um, I I mean that to me is part of a healing process. Absolutely. Like I I have a hard time with my family and seeing eye to eye with them and connecting with them, and I would like to uh, you know mostly for them uh, to understand that I'm just like. A regular, I mean, everyone, Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't like, uh, if you think you're worried about like, uh, uh, like I'm worried about this and that psychedelic researcher or like scientists or anyone else thinking I'm crazy. My family, like uh, my extended family thinks I'm crazy. I have extended family that have never come to a stand-up show of mine because they're like this is a sinner that talks about profanity oh, yeah, i'm sure yeah and oh my gosh does does podcast where he's telling people to do a drug and like it's endless and um and so that is uh i think having um just normalized uh experiences going I think going to concerts for me has never been a positive psychedelic <laughs> well, experience, but for some people yeah, yeah. it is 
apps just as life changing as any i was at this horrible redneck concert just in kentucky and it was like if it wasn't for mushrooms i could have found no beauty there but i was like oh these people are actually beautiful in their own way you know so so basically you're suggesting you're hoping that psilocybin psychedelic use will be kind of like it was Right. It was an integrated part of culture and it was, and it will be, it's like there's training right. in place. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing it with adults when you're younger, mm-hmm. adults right. that right. care about right. you that are like, Hey, things can get fucking hairy in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, be careful. And, and that's what I, that's what I hope the clinics are right now. This is why I hope, I hope people go and find a professional, um, setting to try these things in and view that as like trip training right so that you can eventually go off and do them yes, on your own on your and own. in your own groups Brand, yeah exactly all right we got to get moving so last yep. question what's your billboard oh i forgot about the uh, billboard uh, question that's important create new worlds or create new inner worlds something like that because I think that uh, I think just reframing the old adages of like expand your something something with the term expand your mind has forever been uh, stamped as like some hippie thing because right. they because uh, they were saying it so much during yeah, the sixties. It, right? But it's absolutely true to expand your consciousness to expand new possibilities of understanding of ways forward i mean i think uh i mean we had a fucking oil marketing uh person here like i i'm not um i am I'm, I'm sure it, like even even some job like that that i like don't value that much like great oil companies need more marketing even someone like that to to see so so much of a shift and seeing new possibilities and uh and a new way of like understanding themselves and others um yeah so so i would say um yeah create new worlds people view the world as and one you're this, not woo this woo. is one this is one <laughs> world that's what people think is that this is one world yeah. but we have our internal worlds yeah. that you know we the all night. all uh, live in if, if 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 you think this sounds woo 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 picture what you're going to do when you're done with this podcast now what you've done is you've created an internal world you've mm-hmm. created a mental model of what you're going to do as soon as you're done listening to this boom you just created no, a world. I, the other night during that last trip uh it was like so to me it just kept coming up that every thought everything that every thought that i was having every it were, these were all different worlds being created mm-hmm. that's literally like i was like it is okay well i thought this i thought this about this and that is okay that's happening over there that's not this world though that's something else that i've put into being interesting yeah well that's that's what when i when i lost my mind it was because i started having empathy for all of the infinite number of worlds that i had created in my mind and feeling (laughs) a deep responsibility and trying to steer them in the right direction um because i've created some icky nasty (laughs) things in in my uh, that we all have through through fantasizing about things Mm -hmm. or 
uh, or uh, w- wishing wishing um, negative negative thoughts on others, and right. and on the, those are all those are all worlds that you created in your mind, and now you got this fucking straw man in your head that you're fucking torturing mm. um, for no reason. You created this straw man so you can beat this poor son of a bitch around. And that's that's the person that now exists in your head that you beat the shit out of for, uh, for so no ma- reason. So maybe instead of just creating new worlds, we'll create happier worlds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> create kinder worlds. Kinder worlds. Create kinder worlds. I like there. that. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. See. All right. Cool. Well, we'll end it on that. Thanks again, Shane. Thank you so much. All right. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that rather strange conversation with a rather unique individual. Shane is often introducing me to great music thinkers and board games. His ideal tripmate, the evolutionary biologist Robert Sapolsky, is no different. He is an amazing individual indeed. There is nothing I can say to expand on his following ideas other than my observations within the psilocybin space fall in line with his theory that free will is a farce. This is a conversation I would love to go deeper into with other psychonauts, but if it's just going to be a monologue, I'll pass the mic to Sapolsky. Okay, so what do I think about life? Um... I'm definitely in favor of it. It's it's a good thing. I'm glad it evolved. It, I take it it's a very unlikely thing that's happened. Um, but the aspect of life that's most interesting to me is behavior, behavior of organisms, social behavior, human social behavior and such. And I think what has come out of it is a big uh, paradox which is, at least for me, which is that intellectually, um, one of the things that's absolutely clear to me when you look at the biology of behavior, human behavior, is there's no free will. Um, it's, it's an invention when you look at the number of influences on behavior from what your brain was doing one second before, whatever the behavior is, to sensory cues that you're not even consciously aware of to what hormones that morning have to do with it to what your childhood was like what your fetal life was like your genes your the culture that your ancestors invented the the evolution of us as a species when you look at all the pieces of that together basically what the science of behavior has spent the last 50 years doing is every week or so coming up with a finding where someone would say oh I had no idea that had an influence on behavior. And when you look at all those influences, when you put them all together, the notion that there's some magical little homunculus man in our heads who's in our brains but not of our brain is made of some kind of non-biological stuff who at the end of the day makes all the decisions about what we do, that's that's medieval thinking. There's there's simply no scientific basis for it. And on a certain level, all free will is is the biology that hasn't been discovered yet as to where more links are in terms of influencing our behavior. Um, and experimentally, the easiest way of doing that is when you manipulate 
sensory information in people or manipulate their hormone levels or manip manipulate some biological variable and their behavior changes and they never even had a clue you were doing that. Okay, so when you think about that, um, you know, I'm totally intellectually comfortable with the notion that there's no free will at all. And where the huge paradox comes in for me is I haven't any clue whatsoever what the world is supposed to look like if people actually started accepting that there's no free will. I mean, the easiest version is the one that comes to mind immediately and easy, like unbelievably difficult problem, which is what do you do with the whole notion that crime and evil and guilt and punishment and criminal justice and none of those concepts make any sense whatsoever if you're dealing with a biological model. Um, and what are things supposed to look like with the people who, because they are biologically damaged organisms, do horribly damaging things to other people? How do we protect society from them amid completely getting rid of the model that we have right now around the notion of crime and, and criminality. So that one's gonna keep people busy for a long time to come, but the reality is that that one's the easy one. Um, in some ways, the much, much harder one is what do you do with a lack of free will? And to truly live that way, if somebody comes up to you and says, wow, nice lecture, or wow, nice shirt that you chose to put on this morning, or wow, what a terrific dinner you made. That's, you're so good at, what, what do we do with our good traits? Because if we are purely biological organisms when it comes to our worst behaviors, it's the same thing with our best ones. And my gut feeling is, if it's gonna be hard to convince people to think in a purely biological way, when you're looking at murderers, it's gonna be so much harder to think that way when it comes to considering our own sort of best behaviors. So what's very clear to me is I have absolutely no idea what's supposed to be done with that. Um, the one thing I take comfort from is there are domains where we have learned to subtract free will out of it. If somebody is driving a car and they have an epileptic seizure, they've never had one before in their life, there was no reason to it, and they lose control of the car and they hit someone in the process, everyone these days say, this is a tragedy. No one says, burn this person at the stake. No one says this person was obviously dealing with Satan. Nobody has a intentionality element in it. It's just lousy, horrible luck of bad biology that happened at the wrong time. And we've been able to think that way for about a century and society has not collapsed. So we're able to do that in some realms. So I'm at least a little bit optimistic that we can figure out how to get a little bit of blame out of when we think about the biology behavior. So what does this say about life? Um, if it's going to be hard to think differently about when people are criminals, um, if it's going to be even harder to think about sort of biology when someone comes up and says, wow, you have beautiful cheekbones, and instead of saying thank you, you say, oh, well, 
my zygomatic archie here in terms of when my skull was formed or this gene accounts for my eye color to just think biologically um, at the end of the day the hardest thing of all is how do you like avoid complete existential despair if your senses we're just biological machines um, including our emotions including our memories they they are obeying the same laws of the physical universe as any other thing made up of like atoms or whatever how do you avoid sort of the existential despair of like what's this all for um and i sure don't have an answer to that um i have absolutely no idea what that should be in terms of sort of the smaller versions of it one worry with the existential despair is so will people just run amok there's no purpose there's no responsibility i'm just a biological organism um there's been a little bit of research suggesting that when you prime people towards thinking there's less free will they cheat more on games um because I'm not responsible. Um, I don't worry about that too much though because there's another group of people who don't think in terms of responsibility a whole lot or epic responsibility, which are atheists. And a literature shows that atheists are just as ethical as theists are. Like thinking there's no responsibility to a deity doesn't make people run amok deciding there's no responsibility because I'm a biological organism is probably not going to make us run amok either. Um, but that one's, that one's trivial compared to just sort of the bigger issue of like, what's the purpose then if we're just biological organisms? Um, and I sure don't know. I mean, in an everyday sort of life, if you really truly believe there's no free will, um, there's no basis for hating anyone, and if people really believed that, that would make life rather different. Um, if you truly believe there's no free will, forgiveness has to be play a role that's a thousand times more dominant in life than it is now, or it even stops being meaningful in the sense that we use it now. Um, but at the end of the day, like, what do we do with the fact that we're just, we're one extremely complex, non-linear, chaotic, unpredictable version of an ant um, in terms of just biological stuff making us up. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, the only thing that comes through to me as having any meaning is amid all of that, uh, pain is painful. So it's a good thing to try to reduce the amounts of it in the world, in people around you, in loved ones, whatever. Um, that single fact just seems to transcend whatever you might do to turn all of our feelings and longings and everything into their biological substrates. Pain is painful. And even if we're all just biological organisms, that's a pretty dominating piece of biology so if we need a purpose out of all of this i guess it's just simply to try to reduce the amounts of it and that's intellectually indefensible because it's no different from anything else biologically yet if there's any domain where i think you need to hold back from there's no purpose there's no anything we're just 
biological creatures. I guess if you're going to hold back in any domain, that's that's the last one to hold on to and use that as some sort of imperative for how how you go about life. Friends, to the end, thank you for opening yourselves up to the Psilocybin Chronicles. May all of your journeys, both inward and outward, be safe and rewarding. <laughs>